0: All. Welcome to this week's Ground Game podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Angelica Duenas. She is a Green Party candidate who's running California's 29th congressional district. She'll be running against Anthony Cardenas, who's held that seat for several election cycles and won fairly commandingly. Now, the 29th district is mainly the East Valley. It's up around Burbank. It stretches as far north as Silmar, so it covers a pretty expansive and diverse constituency. So running as a green in this district means that Angelica is running as a bit of an insurgent candidate. And so we're going to be talking quite a bit about that. If anybody would like to get involved, you can head to angelicaforcongress.com. But anyways, let's go ahead and get into it. Angelica, welcome to Ground Game. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So you're running as a green. And I want to chat a little bit first about what that's like and kind of what platform you're bringing to the table.
1: Sure. Um, well, yes, I'm running as a green a candidate, a um, registered green. Our campaign, I like to think of our campaign as being independent since it is a mixture of Greens, Democrats, and independents. But I am a green candidate, and um, we are sticking to the green platform with our platform, and I'm complimenting it. Um, what really sold me on the Green Party platform was their um, 100% um, corporate free stance. And their strong stance on nonviolence. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, are you feeling uh, like you get a lot of support from the Green Party nationally, or what? That like compared to what you see from Democrats?
1: Um, well, looking at the progressive candidates who are running, and how the Democratic Party, um, like for example, this you know California uh, Democratic Party and the National Party, how they're treating. Um, you know, friends of mine and other, you know, progressives who are running, I do feel that um, our campaign is getting, you know, actual support from the party mm-hmm. versus I think that a lot of those progressive candidates who are getting a lot of resistance um, from the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a, a little simpler in that sense that we're not fighting the party. Um, we're kind of. You know, pushing for the um, for the issues. Mm
0: -hmm. And do they have a decent uh, infrastructure for you to uh, work within, as far as the national party goes? Um, More than just like not having to fight them, is there active support?
1: Um, Well, it depends how you look at it. So how how the infrastructure is set up, um, the national party doesn't officially endorse um, any candidate outside of the presidential and and vice presidential candidates, Mm -hmm. Um, but they do support in the sense that you know outreach emails. And letting people know that we're running, and you know, trying to um, get folks to donate to our campaign and to volunteer. Mm-hmm. The same with the state party; they don't officially endorse any candidate that is not a statewide candidate. So um, they, again, emails, um, support outreach, and stuff like that. The the um, uh, county party mm-hmm. um, also does the same thing if. We would have had funds available. <laughs> we would have also gotten funds from the county party. Unfortunately, you know, where we use those funds to keep the the county party working. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, outside of Outreach and pushing folks to get involved unfortunately we don't have those resources Um, but we are waiting on some some funds to come our way funnel our way through some of these I think the state party might have a little bit of of, uh, you know funds that might come make our way over to our campaign
0: because the the 29th is a pretty important district it's it's very diverse it runs from like North Hollywood all the way north of Sylmar almost all the way over to Burbank and like sort of the the 101 ish or 134 ish border on the the west side Uh, and right Right now, it's uh, repped by Tony Cardenas. Uh, but I was gonna say, what are you thinking about such a solidly Democratic district, and what the, what do you think, what impact do you think the D- Greens can have there? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Well, as far
0: as, I
1: mean, it's a fact. Our our district is definitely Democrat-heavy. However, um, we have been seeing by looking at data and looking at previous elections that the people are definitely looking for something else. And we have been seeing that independents have been having a decent um, outcome with very little uh, campaigning. Um, So our district is definitely... Has a lot of potential for an independent or a third party to go in there, and uh, and make an influence. Um, our strategy is to do um, kind of a lot of connection with the community so we're working with different organizations and um, collaborating with different organizations that are serving the community uh, on their needs so for example the LA Tenants Union mm-hmm. um, the San Fernando Valley Greens are uh, the club that I belong to we have become you know super connected with the LA Tenants Union and we help establish the San Fernando Valley chapter mm-hmm. uh, for the Tenants Union um, we've been helping um, other groups who are pushing for a year-round shelter. Um, we have been um, supporting Costa-Hawkins, you know, the repeal of Costa-Hawkins, and things like that. So we, we what we like to do is find out what our community needs are and organize around those needs. And what that's been doing is building a relationship and a trust with the community, um, which I think that that's really what leftist groups who are, who are you know, not, with with great funds right we, we have to use what we can which is you know the the truth and and our honesty and our connection with our community and that's really where we're building our relationships and that's how we're building our base.
0: It, it, that also leads me into something that I see that is striking in, in your campaign. Um, that you're you're focusing sort of on local issues and then trying to take them nationally because you're not gonna see like Adam Schiff or Brad Sherman like going out and knocking on doors or getting signatures for repealing Costa Hawkins so uh, how is that informing how you've changed kind of your approach to this campaign like talking to the the community
1: yeah well I mean when it comes down to it, the people want to know, is like, well, what do you stand for and how are you gonna help me? Mm -hmm. People have been really candid and honest when we knock on their doors. Well, how, what are you gonna do for me? And you know, we try and tell them, well, this is what we stand for and this is what we support. And you know, this is a state issue, the cost of hawkings but we support it and what we believe is that you know if we are in a seat of power that we should be using that power to influence you know our, our other representatives our local representatives because we all overlap and to be able to influence you know state senators and um, seat assembly folks so by letting them know that we are involved in the community already that we are taking an active step to help our community in these issues it does um, make it easier for folks to understand that we're serious, that Mm -hmm. we really do care about our community, and that we are running um, to make our impact even greater, not so much for an ego thing or for a power you know power tripping or anything like that
0: and before we get into kind of like policy and platform stuff I want to ask you mentioned uh, you were looking at data which pretty much every campaign does now Um, but how are you guys integrating data in because it it seems like our experience on on Jessica's campaign here was that data is good if you're able to make the investment but we weren't able to do that and we kind of should have knocked on more doors Uh, but at the same time like the data is really powerful but how are you using it
1: well I mean like there's so much data that we that there is, it's a huge district. We, we have over 300,000 registered voters. Um, so what we're doing is, what um, we use the data is to narrow down uh, groups that we should be focusing on. And we're prioritizing them, mm-hmm. um, and so it goes. And um, we have like different, you know, angles. I guess to use it is a prioritizing lists or groups for tax banking, and then also prioritizing areas for um, canvassing. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we want to make sure that we're maximizing our our impacts and our efforts, uh, because you know what's the point in focusing on a certain area that there's a lot of gates and you're not gonna get through there you know Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that we're being strategic and that we're not gonna create events where it'll make it easier for our volunteers to get discouraged right Mm -hmm. so we want to make sure that whatever we are doing has the most maxim uh, maximizing efforts Mm -hmm. and you know that we're making the greatest impact so that's what we're using data for Mm -hmm. it's to kind of focus on which groups to do direct contact with with text messaging and door knocking Um, and that's really it because there's so much data we don't have a PDI or a van or what have you Mm -hmm. we're using Excel lists and Google Sheets and um, Excel masters that know how to like you know pivot tables and all that fancy stuff uh, and and able to really narrow down lists you know what I mean so we're we're trying to use everything that we have uh, to maximize the efforts that we are doing
0: nice and when you're getting your volunteers like excited i assume people are coming to you because they they're really interested in the green platform generally in your platform specifically so what what are you putting at the top of your priorities list
1: uh, meaning, like activities that were uh, well, like
0: policies, platform, oh, position.
1: Sure, I mean our platform is pretty solid. It's it's actually pretty huge. But the main um, issue that we want to really focus on is housing mm-hmm. and a homelessness, and um, of course healthcare accessibility and healthcare for all. Really, um, we believe that um, in in our district, h- homelessness is a huge problem even bigger that we even know just because mm-hmm. there is no such thing as a traditional homeless person anymore. Mm-hmm. We have families, we have professionals that are literally living in their cars and in mm-hmm. and out of hotels from time to time to be able to get a good night's sleep. But there are people out there who are suffering and it's because of lack of um, accessible housing mm-hmm. or, or low income housing and what have you. Um, so we definitely believe in housing first. And so housing is a big, big, big issue. Um, both um, with, our, with our team, which is Saffron Valley Greens, mm-hmm. and with our campaign.
0: So what kind of, uh, if, if you had your druthers, what kind of policies would you be pursuing in Congress? Like what kind of votes would you like to see come to the floor?
1: well I mean I definitely would want to see um, a repeal of um, citizens United mm-hmm. I think that's like huge and, and very important and that's something that we plan on pushing for in our first 100 days mm-hmm. um, we want to push for um, a repeal of the Taft Harley Act mm-hmm. um, to that's in a, order that's to a strengthen throwback. to strengthen unions and yeah. that's something something that that has been overlooked for so long um, and that's something that really would affect All 50 states, you know, the whole nation.
0: And do you think that would help cut back against like everyone's assuming that the Janus decision is coming and that it's going to be five, four or perhaps six, three in favor of Janus and and kind of gutting public sector uh, unions? So would you see Taft-Hartley as being able to, like, restrengthen unions?
1: Yes, absolutely. That's what we need to move back to. I think that um, we've we have the benefits that came from unions and maybe it's easy to forget the struggle and how we got there and what we need to do to keep those benefits and and I think that you know things have gotten a lot tougher especially in low income communities and you know now we have the gig industry and all this stuff uh, all these people that are 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 being pushed out of your your regular idea of a job and into these other other industries that are making it really hard for them to be able to you know get these rights or these benefits that would be expected anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I think that we definitely need to make it easier for people to be able to get those, or hold on to the benefits that we already have. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our hourly um, minimum wages, um, access to health care if your business is, is of a certain size. Mm-hmm. And I think that now being called an independent contractor really kind of, you know, g- Gives these corporations uh, a a, an easy way out, Mm -hmm. Um, so we definitely need to work on how is it that we can structure so that people are not being taken advantage of, and but are still being able to access jobs and work and you know extra funds. You know, Mm -hmm. we most people don't have a problem with a side job, which I, I think it's OK to have a side job. Uh, but are you being taken advantage in the process?
0: And but. is it something that you necessarily need to like feed yourself versus like something where you're willing to work a little bit harder? Um, and when it comes to looking at sort of like national issues, California is a lot of a bellwether for that. Um, and we've passed you know Measure H and Measure HHH here on the, the county level to deal with uh, creating bridge and crisis and, and even permanent housing. Uh, but federal housing efforts seem to have stagnated recently. And what would you like to see change about that?
1: Oh, well, mm-hmm. I would <laughs> I would I would like to see us um, uh, defunding war mm-hmm. and focusing on on the programs that really help the people. So as far as housing goes, I would like to see the HUD um um agency mm-hmm. be fully funded and for us to increase funds on section 8 and to start looking at more creative solutions um to get our hands on housing mm-hmm. from my understanding there's um there's like three more uh three times more ha- empty ho- homes that mm-hmm. are bank owned that there are homeless people yeah. and um so, from my understanding, there is a way for government to enact their power of eminent domain to buy back, you know, these homes and make them, you know, they'll be government-owned housing and, you know, we can then layer these programs in, like, you know, have these, these homes or, you know, housing complexes be part of Section 8. Mm-hmm. And I think that we also need to um inform the public of of the benefit, also on the landlord side of things for Section 8. I've been talking to some landlords and they're like, you know what, actually Section 8 is a good thing for us because um, we can actually have a higher, um, like I guess you could say like rent, because, you know, we need to fix the buildings and we need to be able to do upkeep. Um, So we get a a, a guaranteed amount from the government. Mm -hmm. We know that check is coming or what have you. And then the difference is being paid by the renter, who is now responsible for a realistic amount. They're going to make their payment. They're not going to be late. And so things are running smoothly for both families and people who are needing a housing and for these landlords who are you know who own the homes or, or the apartment complexes or what have you and who can then function as business owners or what have you so it, it everybody does benefit from it mm-hmm. and i don't know why the program has gotten such a harsh um you know um i'm losing my words here Uh, Reputation. Reputation, thank you. But I mean it it actually benefits landlords as well. And people, you know, they just need to be aware of these programs and how they do work Mm -hmm. and we just need to fund them correctly. um, and make sure that the housing is available because at one point we have you know, we're we're handing out section eight vouchers like like, you know, like making it rain, right? But there are no properties who are taking them or who are are available to take the vouchers. And
0: and it helps also keep communities together because if you're able to pay for a building, then you're less likely to sell it to a developer who's going to knock it down and redevelop the place. And it, it, it... you know section 8 I think and a lot of supportive housing comes with this feeling that the people who get it aren't working mm-hmm. and that's almost never the case
1: that is such a lie because they do have to pay a portion of it so they they do have to have mm-hmm. some 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 sort of income coming in to even qualify for these programs
0: so on the topic of peace um i i take it you're not a fan of trump's 800 billion dollar military budget
1: absolutely not i was really disappointed on everyone who voted on it you know I was really surprised on some of the people who voted for it um yes, yeah, I was surprised and not surprised um dis- definitely disappointed um especially when he didn't even ask for that much you know <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's happened like before sick. There's,
0: there's been times where uh the Pentagon said no we don't want you to spend hundred million dollars on this artillery piece and Congress is like oh but it's built in my district and that I think is a something we face here in California a little bit more acutely not as much as we used to but we're still a big home for defense what can the federal government do to help us transition away from that because it's a big source of jobs
1: for sure Um, well I mean we can start looking at like the Green New Deal which is an idea of moving into you know away from fossil fuels and into greener, sustainable can can
0: you get into some more details with
1: that Um, gosh I'm not so eloquent in explaining it but basically what it is it's an idea of of, um, the government being or the federal government being like the number one or one of the most major employers Mm -hmm. similar to the original Great New Deal, mm-hmm. where the government was um, funding infrastructure uh, programs, um, service programs, and programs um, to get people working. Like the you know the forests, uh, our federal forest uh, programs, national forest programs were all built during the you know the the Great New Deal. Our giant dams that have produced lots of electrical energy, and um, schools and universities, um, roads, etc. Um, so something along those lines, so of course infrastructure, too, because there are, I think it's easy for us to overlook it here in Los Angeles and maybe some parts of California, but if you just get out of uh, certain areas into more rural rural zones, you'll see that infrastructure is definitely an issue. So to move back towards um, infrastructure and most definitely um, training um, folks who are maybe working like in the coal industry and in these dirty industries retraining them to go into cleaner industries so it's a jobs program mm-hmm. um, it's moving towards solar wind and hydro power um, is training people to get into those fields and mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 um, also um, part of it is also like loan forgiveness for uh, federal School loans, mm-hmm. um, because that also is looked at as an automatic um, ec- um, economic economic stimulus, mm-hmm. where you know, all of a sudden you know folks who are paying three hundred, four hundred, five hundred, twelve hundred dollars a month towards their towards mm-hmm. their federal loan can now spend it in the economy and revitalize you know their local economy. Mm-hmm. People are you know. You know, you're buying a car when you are you know, maybe like you know fixing it, and now it's a clunker. And so now you're moving towards also saving um, the environment because now you're getting a more a better car and, mm-hmm. and what have you, and making improvements in your house, etc. All these things that we could be doing with these with these funds. And again, it brings people to work. You're you're you know employing people to come fix your your this, your that, and the other. You're buying things, um, etc. So it's pretty much a program that means. Having the the the, are the federal government be the number one employer Mm. and um, provider of services for the time being, and in fact, it's again like the Green New Deal, where eventually um, we will have enough stability where you know we can move back to decentralization and have this be more of local programs, and it would be actually part of the Green New Deal is actually kind of decentralized in the sense that. You know, certain areas might need more infrastructure focus, mm-hmm. where other areas might be needing more. Um, you know, going into solar or cleaning of your local water collection, or etc. So it's 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 jobs
0: mm-hmm.
1: and training and moving to a more cleaner e- energy and um, and yeah, it's just jobs.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and it seems like a lot of the the green platform uh, revolves around the idea of redistributing wealth not by like seizing and expropriating money but by like re uh jiggering the way that we uh distribute in tax value and stuff and one of the big things that always comes up in this is is healthcare so i wanted to ask uh what you think about some of the current proposals that are out there there's the the medicare for all there's john conyers um hr67 something i forget the name and then there's the uh, Podesta groups uh, or the the Center for American Progress which is John Podesta's uh, Medicare extra for all which is kind of weird but I, I was wondering what you're thinking about those plans
1: <clears throat> I haven't gone to the nitty-gritty of, of, of most of them but e- even the Medicare for all I think it's a good start and I definitely believe in it and I and I stand for it and I have been supporting it mm-hmm. Um But I don't think it's good enough. I think it's something similar to like DACA. It's like it's good and Mm -hmm. we should fight for it and we should protect it, but we we can do better. Mm. And with uh, Medicare for All, I still think that there's some, it leaves for some areas that we can do better on. Um, I think that we need to make it a point to push for single payer for all. And and I think that maybe in a lot of people's minds, it's the same thing um but dealing with my my dad who has medicare and seeing how things can really go wrong i'm like no medicare for all is actually not good enough yeah. it's good we're not in debt Um, but the care quality has been you know not the best i would my perfect idea of a single payer for all would be insurance companies which does not exist period mm. which does not exist period other than Maybe for things that are not covered, on, you know, for maybe, like, I don't know. I don't even see where they could fit into this whole, you know, play of things. Maybe for foreign folks who are coming in to visit. I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Something along those lines. But it, it wouldn't be
0: something where every individual is constantly having to make sure they have
1: Exactly, care. exactly. I mean, I don't even know there would be any room for insurance companies anymore other than maybe, you um, Visitors from 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 out of ta- from from mm-hmm. other country who need coverage for while they're here, like travelers insurance or something along those lines,
0: yeah. maybe. Yeah no, that 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 makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so to to pivot real quick, uh, talking about immigration, uh, obviously like DACA is very important. You don't think it goes far enough? What other changes would you like to see beyond like bringing more protections to Dreamers?
1: I would like to see like a c- complete uh, immigration reform. I would like to see it. Uh, a permanent path to citizenship for for dreamers for sure and to expand it you know Mm -hmm. to be able to um, get more funding into getting more people to you know I'm sure that there's a process and you know we need to make sure that people are not here to do bad things or what have you I totally get that you know protection and we want to keep safety number one however um, I think it's pretty clear that the people who have come here have come here to work yeah. and they've come here to to improve themselves and to you know um, help their family improve themselves mm-hmm. so I think that the the threat of uh, immigration um, and terrorism, what have you? I I really think is minuscule compared to what we do have, which is the threat of having families be displaced and to have the threat of families um, being out homeless. Because mm-hmm. if if you're losing the dad, you're you're losing your mom, and they're you know one of the main breadwinners, you're gonna literally displace a whole family, mm-hmm. and um. I think that's a bigger p- issue that we need to worry about, and that's a real yeah. a real danger that we have in our hands. So I think that we definitely need to move towards a, a complete uh, immigration reform and to start focusing on um, maybe an amnesty program or something. We need to move to something that's going to be um, – a permanent solution to the issue at hand
0: yeah because there's always going to be people who aren't necessarily going to meet the high bar that the federal government sets that are still set for the deportation the stuff people like relying on them uh, and here in California we have a lot of migratory workers who move as the the crops go uh, and I was gonna say as we're seeing our agricultural industry here in California squeezed by its bad decisions as well as Uh, by Trump's bad decisions sapping up their workforce, what do you think we can do with California being like the breadbasket of the nation? Um, And I know some of your district kind of abuts the Central Valley, even though you don't go into it.
1: So I'm just going to make sure I understand the question. So
0: what what we would do in regards to... Um, kind of like fixing California's agriculture, federal water issues, um, problems with, with immigrant. It's a big question. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's California we don't think of as a breadbasket state, but we really are. Yeah, we really are,
1: actually. We, a lot of the food comes from California. Um, I'm not strong in this subject, but from what, what little... Inf- research I've done, it's my understanding that a lot of these giant agricultural businesses, um, when we're talking about water specifically and on this, is that they overgrow their crops by like something crazy, like 80% for just in case if something happens to my crop, I have extra crops to cover it. So if the disease hits this, you know, row of corn, I still have more over here to cover that. And what ends up happening with a lot of this food is that it, it literally goes to the trash. It gets, you know, incinerated. Yeah,
0: 40% it, of our produce gets thrown out before it ever hits the shelves. It's or they, numbers they like might that.
1: have some, like, you know, contract with some, you know, uh, cattle farm down the road or something, they might give them a deal. But this food does not go to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it goes into the trash, and it gets ruined. And this water is really getting cut off by these giant corporations. And at the end of it all, we're, you know, of course we all need to address, you know, our water use and cut back on things. But it's 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 really minute what yeah. we use as is even as, as a city mm-hmm. versus what a, one single farm up north, the giant agro farm can, you know, and their water usage and then what how they use the water and how the water ends up filled with pesticides, etc. Now this water is not even usable for recycling, recycling and getting it back into the, you know, to yeah. the people. Um so We definitely need to address how these corporations are allowed Mm -hmm. to use our resources.
0: And and a lot of that seems to come down to money and politics like they that's where they get the leverage to keep doing these incredibly destructive politics.
1: It's not a coincidence that, you know, a lot of these corporations tend to be, uh, you know, some of the giant funders on campaigns. Um, for the people who get to choose or or get to vote on these issues, right? So it's not a coincidence. It's not an accident. Um, But I think that right now the energy is right and people are paying so much extra attention that we can start um, focusing on these issues and addressing them, Mm -hmm. you know, And, and making sure that the conversation doesn't, Uh, get away from these issues. I think that when people are running for office, it's the community's responsibility to make sure that these topics are addressed Mm -hmm. and that we know where these people stand before we move forward with our vote. Mm
0: -hmm. And so uh, to turn the spotlight on you a little bit, uh, you're a mother um, and uh, also working, I assume, uh, aside from being a candidate. uh, How's the work-life balance? It's a very good question.
1: It's actually pretty crazy. Um, I have come to the determination that I need to quit my full-time job in order to be able to um, continue forward with our campaign. So um, I am in the search of a part-time job, which cross fingers, I think I already found one. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely been crazy. I have five children. Um, four of them go to school, three different schools. So uh, if you can imagine, our ma- mornings are crazy. Um, but I have a great supportive team. My mom and my, my aunt and my husband are, are very supportive. Um, it's a great tag team that we have going on. It's kind of like ballet. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and now you have the kid, now I have the kid, now you have the kids, now we have the kids. It's kind of beautiful mm-hmm. and scary at the same time. <laughs> but, um, it's been pretty, it's, it's been chaotic, but it's kind of exhilarating. And they are they're really proud of the work that we're doing. And I think that that's really what keeps us moving. Um, my dad's in the hospital. He's been in and out and he just, he is so pumped up. He's just probably my biggest cheerleader. He's like, oh, I can't wait. I can't wait till June and I'm gonna tell my friends. And you know, he's just so excited. And I think that uh, that's really what keeps me moving. Because mm-hmm. believe me, there's some days that I'm just like, what are we doing here? This is, I'm so tired. <laughs>
0: The way we've designed a lot of our political campaigns assumes that you're a person that if you have children you can pay somebody else to take care of them and be that your children aren't generally your priority in your life which is kind of weird I was wondering what you would like to change to make things easier for for mothers to run
1: gosh I think that um, in a grassroots world that we're in um, I think that um, well I personally I have a hard time asking for help. And I think I have, I don't want to say a control issue, but I have a, I don't like to depend on others, just because it's like, well, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And I think that we've kind of got that engraved in in ourselves. And I think that we really need to start getting away from that, because we do have a team, we do have people who want to help. And I think that that's one thing that we should all realize is that we do have people around us that are willing to help and who are willing to step up At and i guess we need to be more honest with ourselves and what do we need to ask help uh, you know in like i'll be like oh i need text bankers and canvassers but sometimes i need like someone to come help me like wash some people of dishes while i'm over here like cutting some lists you know yeah but I feel embarrassed asking for that, you know? Um, so I think that, you know, I think maybe being more honest with ourselves as to what what exactly do we need, mm-hmm. and um, and then also people around those folks that are taking the the initiative or who have taken the lead, either running a campaign or just about anything, um, to reach out to them and, and ask or, or offer your services, you know? And just because someone says no, doesn't mean that they're not going to say yes next time. So keep on offering your services and, um, you know, just, just be there for us. Really? <laughs> Half the time is just like, um, we sometimes just need someone to vent to, yeah. you know, and that in itself is good enough. Um, I, I think I have a really great team and a great friends and amazing ladies who have just kind of stood by me and kept me motivated and just let me like, vent all my frustrations and you know then like okay well now you feel better now yeah. let's get to work so I think of that you know a, a, a listening ear and you know especially with w- with women and with families you know just helping just be like hey do you need help with the kids yeah do you need help with the dishes you know stuff like that and I think that makes it a huge help because um yeah I've, I've had I've I felt sometimes where I'm like wow I wish, I could do more mm-hmm. because you know I have you know family events to go to, or my kid has like a thing at school or a meeting. Uh, they're not feeling good, and it's really stressful. I think on us because we're trying to be good at everything, um, but bottom line is family comes first. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we're, where I'm going to focus on. And so I have a team of people who they're like, you know what, go ahead. I'll go to this meeting for you. Go ahead. I'll cut the list. Yeah. You know, go see your dad. It's OK. So I think that that's kind of been really amazing. Is I've had a group of people who are willing to step in, learn the responsibilities and take ownership of mm-hmm. them
0: and and support working campaigns is really really important and it doesn't get focused on we think of them always in terms of like money and at sort of like numbers and we don't look at all the other labor that has to go on to support that Uh, and for people who want to contribute their labor to you where can they find out how to do that
1: yes well if you um, you can go over to our website which is Angelica 4 Congress and that's Angelica the number four Congress.com, and at the very top, there's a few tabs. There is one for volunteer, Mm -hmm. and you can sign up right there, and there's one for donate. Um, if maybe you, you don't, you would like to help us out but you don't have time. Um, but e- uh, you know, if you're local, we need folks to, to do canvassing and to do tabling, um, and if you're not local, even if you are but you can make your way out here, um, text banking and phone banking. Um, it's really simple, and if you want to um, come to an event, we can always put one together. If you want to host an event, even better. Um, But it's fun, and also if you feel more comfortable working on your own, you know, you can always choose to do that. But, you know, reach out to us, and we have a great uh, team of volunteers. My um, campaign coordinator, Tyann, who will get back to you if I don't. You know, we have a great uh, communication system with our, with our, um, with people who reach out to us. So if we haven't gone back to you, please reach out to us because, we may have somehow overlooked it because we're very good about yeah. getting p- back to people. <laughs> and it's, it's,
0: it gets really busy during campaign season. Every and it, once
1: in a while, yeah, it's like, oh, shoot, we, we skipped this person, you know? It's like, yeah.
0: It, it gets too big, especially when you don't have a have a staff. Uh, your, uh, the primary is coming up June 5th. And uh, aside from uh, Tony Cardenas, do you know who else is running or if it's going to be a crowded field?
1: Um, so as it stands right now, it's looking like it will just be uh, Tony the incumbent, Tony Cardenas, Joe Shamus, running as a Democrat, um, uh, Juan Ray, who's running as n- no party preference, mm-hmm. and us. As a Green. As a Green. So it's four of us at the moment. At one point, there were seven, mm-hmm. um, and we haven't seen much action from the other three that, they were, that were on the race at one point. However, we still have until March 9th, I believe, for folks to to pay a fee to get on the ballot Yeah. so you know I guess we'll wait and see but it's looking like it's just going to be four candidates
0: interesting it's going to be a really really interesting race Yeah. thank you very very much for joining us thank you <laughs> And thank you all for joining us on the Ground Game podcast again this week. You can also catch this show on Radio Justice LA, and if you want to listen to that, you go to RadioJustice.org Again, if you're interested in learning more about Ground Game, please visit GroundGameLA.org If you would like to read more about the political coverage that we're doing or the coverage around LA, please head over to Knock-LA.com and check it out. And if you'd like to become a sustaining donor, you can always head over to crowdpack. Ground Game is an all-volunteer organization. None of us are getting paid for this. We rely on our sustaining donors to help us pay the bills, to help us keep supplies running to keep the office up and running. If you think this is work that you want to support, if this is work that you would like to get involved with but you can't, please consider doing that. It would really, really mean a lot to us, and it helps us expand our capabilities. With that in mind, I hope you guys go out there, keep fighting, and never lose your sense of outrage.